Welcome to the Potter's House podcast. We pray that this week's message encourages you. If you'd like to learn more about the Potter's House, you can visit pottershouse.org. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David until the captivity of Babylon are 14 generations, and from the captivity in Babylon until Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, say it with me, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took to him his wife. First thing you have to understand is that in the context of God's plan, there was always going to be a son. There was always going to be a sacrifice. There was always going to be one who would come to redeem and to reconcile mankind back to God. I don't have time to go through all of the details of this but if you read your bible you will see two things number one god has always wanted a people he could call his own he has always wanted a people with whom he could abide the second thing is the devil has always been fighting to keep people away from god Go through the litany. You start in the garden. God creates the garden. He creates Adam and Eve so that they could have communion and relationship together. Satan comes in as a serpent and deceives the woman and subsequently deceives Adam. And now when man and God were to be together, now they were separated. God found a man in Noah he could create covenant with. He found a man in Abraham he could create covenant with. He found a man in Moses he could create covenant with. Moses goes to the top of Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments from the Lord, has an encounter with God so much so that he comes down in his face, shine like the sun. They had to put a veil over it, and he comes down and sees the people worshiping an idol they had just created. Because the devil was trying to keep the people of Israel from being the people of God. 1 Samuel chapter 4, we read of the account of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And the Bible said that the Philistines came to attack them. And in their midst was the Ark of the Covenant, which was the representation of the presence of God. And the children of Israel shouted so loud that the earth shook. And the Philistines defeated the Israelites and stole the Ark of the Covenant. Benjamin, one of the warriors, went running to Eli and said to him, Your men are defeated. We've lost. 
and the ark has been captured. When Benjamin told Eli that the ark had been captured, Eli fell over backwards and broke his neck. They went to his daughter-in-law who was pregnant with child and she, she heard Eli had been killed. Her husband was dead. Her brother-in-law was dead. The 30,000 men of the army had been killed and the ark had been captured. And the Bible said that she mourned so much she bent over in mourning and she was thrust into the birthing process. And when the child came out, she named the child Ichabod, which being interpreted is the glory has departed. The devil has always been about keeping people away from God. He cannot keep God away from people. He cannot stop God. But he can keep people away from God by deception he can keep people away from God by busyness. And God in all of his nature, in all of his glory, in all of his persistence, one day knew I'm going to send one who would reverse the curse of Ichabod. The glory has departed. And they will call his name Emmanuel. God with us. He sent him as a son. Matthew 1, 21, she will bring forth a son and you will call his name Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. He is preexistent. He predates creation. He was before all things and in him all things consist. The Old Testament bears a witness. In Micah 5 and 2, the Bible said, but thou Bethlehem, Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you will come forth unto me. That is to be a ruler in Israel whose going forth, listen, have been from, from of old, from everlasting to everlasting. Isaiah 9 and 6 called him the everlasting father. In the Old Testament, he was considered, when they, when they would say the angel of the Lord, they would consider that to be a type of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 4 said this, And did all drink the same spiritual drink? For they drank out of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. He was referencing the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years, that they drank from the rock, and the rock was Christ. The New Testament bears witness of him. In John 1, the Bible said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In John 8 and 58, Jesus himself said, Before Abraham was, I am. In John 6 and 38, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. In Romans 8 and 3, the Bible said, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In Colossians 1 and 16, the Bible said, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things, listen, were created by him and for him. 
And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So before Jesus ever came from the womb of Mary, Jesus was in existence with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. He is pre-existent. Creation is held together by him. The Old Testament and the New Testament witness that. He was incarnate. He became a man. Somebody say he became a man. God put on flesh and became a man. He had a human mother, Galatians 4 and 4. He grew up into manhood as any other boy would. He experienced emotions and feelings. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was weary. God took on flesh without ceasing to be God. The meaning of incarnation is this, becoming in the flesh. John 1 and 14 said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his, somebody shout glory. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The incarnation means that the Son of God veiled himself with flesh in order that he might unveil himself as God. 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. So he is, somebody say he is, he is the son of God. He is the only begotten son of God. Number two, the Bible said he will save the people from their sins. So he's the son and he is the savior. Somebody shout savior. Luke 2 verse 28, he, Simeon, is who the Bible is speaking of. Simeon was an old man. And the Holy Spirit had promised Simeon that he would not die until he saw the Messiah come to the earth. And in Luke chapter 2, Simeon, the Bible said, was led to the temple and he laid eyes on Jesus. And this is what happened next. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The Bible said in John 3.16, most any believer knows this scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his only what? His only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In Romans 6.23, the, the writer of Romans says that the wages of sin is 
death, but the gift of God. Who is the gift of God? Jesus is the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In John 17 and 3, Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they may know you the Father and that they may know me the Son. In 1 John 4, 14, the Bible said, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And I know in in the chaos that is 2020 and 2021 and in the further shaking that's coming to the earth in 2022, I've come to stop by right here in this moment and tell you, don't let the scientists and the politicians and the doctors try to sway you. There is still but one answer for the woes of the, the day. There is but one answer for the chaos of today. And his name is Jesus. He's still the answer. And he came to save in the book of Mark. He said the son of man did not come to be served. But he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He came to save me. Little old me. Who in the span of eternity. I am but dust. But he came born in a manger. Not a five-star hotel. Not even in a Motel 6. He came born in a cave. In a stable. Most scholars believe it wasn't a stable like we think it is. It was a cave. That he came born in a cave, lying in a manger full of hay. Come on now. He came like a king. Born in a cave. In a contraption where the animals feed. But he came to save me. He came to redeem me. Somebody shout, he's the savior. He's the savior. And not only is he the son, he's the savior, but he's got a name that is above every other name. Matthew 1.23 continued, behold, the virgin shall be with child and she will bear a son and they will call his name Emmanuel. Twice in this scripture, there was an importance placed on his name. They will call his name Jesus. They will call his name Emmanuel, which being translated is God with us. God with us. Isaiah 9 and 6, he is God with us by his name. Somebody shout his name. He's God with us by his name. Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. In his name, I'm going to read that again. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. In Acts 4 and 12, those apostles under the influence of the Holy Ghost stood up and said, There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved than at the, ne- at the what? At the name. Somebody shout name. At the name of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Philippians chapter 2 and 5 beginning, Paul begins to write and he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although being, uh, being God came, being in the form of man, he took, on, he took upon himself the form of a man and he became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I love how Paul has to differentiate this because he said he became obedient not just unto death, but unto the death of the cross. It wasn't that Jesus died of natural causes. No, Jesus willingly gave himself up for the will of the Father. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And here's what happened because of it. Wherefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every other name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jeremiah 10 and 6, the Bible said, your name is great in might. In Proverbs 18, 10, the Bible said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. In Acts chapter 3, Paul, uh, Peter and John are on their way to the temple at the hour of prayer. And the Bible said that there was a lame man asking alms. And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And the man immediately leapt to his feet and went about rejoicing. He came in the manger known as Emmanuel. He came in the manger called Jesus. But there is coming a day when every eye is going to see him and they'll see him riding on a white horse. And in Revelation 19 the Bible said on his vesture dipped in blood and on his thigh is written a name king of kings and lord of lords God is with us in his name you can call on him in the midnight hour you can call on him when the storm is raging and you can call on him and he'll be running to you somebody shout he's got a name in Isaiah 9 and 6 he said his name is a wonderful counselor Somebody say wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Not, not, not an okay counselor. Not a decent counselor. Not a clinical counselor. Okay. Who's going to try to get you all figured out. They're going to prescribe you with things. No, he is a wonderful this word wonderful means unusual. Come on. The word counselor means a guide. He is an unusual guide. He leads us in unusual ways. Come on now. Balaam was about to make a mistake, so he led Balaam by the mouth of a donkey. He led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. He, leads, he told Joshua to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. Once a day for six days and on the seventh day seven times. He leads us in unusual ways. He is a wonderful counselor. Colossians 2 and 3 said, In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
in him. Now, you're not looking at somebody who thinks that, that counselors and psychiatrists and therapists are all the devil. I don't believe that. I believe that you need, if you need a counselor, you need to go get a counselor. You need to go get a therapist. But I believe also that there is a one who can do in one moment. I believe the same thing about doctors. They're wonderful. When I got a headache, I take Tylenol. I'm not against medicine. But I know there is one who in one moment of time can undo years of hurt and years of trauma and years of issues that I carried with me all my life that have become a part of who I am. There is one who is a wonderful counselor and his name is Jesus. They called him the mighty God. The word mighty here means strength, power, or warrior. The translation is God, our strength. His name shall be called. Unusual counselor. God, our strength. God, our power. Ephesians 15 and 2, Miriam, they've come across the, the Red Sea and they've stopped on the other side and Miriam gets her timbrel and begins to dance and play the song of the Lord. And she says this, uh, she says, the Lord is my strength and my song. Psalm 46 and 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, uh, uh, ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore... I will not be afraid. He's the everlasting father. Jesus, Isaiah was not writing to say that, that Jesus was taking the place of the first in the Godhead. He was writing this in its context and in its meaning to say that Jesus is going to reveal the character and the nature of God the father. John 10 and, and, and 38, the Bible said, I and the father are one. This is Jesus talking. I and the Father are one. The Father is in me, and I am in the Father. John 14 and 9, Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. You see, let me tell you how, how persistent and how bent on God being with his people he is. In Exodus 32, God tells Moses, I can't let you see me because no man can see my face and live. But in John 14, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He made a way for me to see him and live. And he reveals the Father's will. He reveals the Father's heart. And he reveals the character of God the Father. Then they said, and they will call him the Prince of Peace. Somebody shout peace. This word peace here means unity or accord. It is a representation and it is a, 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 a typology that, that Isaiah is using, the Prince of Peace, that it's not just that Jesus gives peace in the storm, it is that Jesus made peace by his blood. It is that there was going to be a son who was sent to the earth and he was going to make 
peace between us and the Father by his blood. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible said, but now. So let me give you some, let me give you some background. Because Ephesians, 1, Ephesians 2, 1 through 12 is talking about that works cannot save us. It's not of works that any man should boast, right? And, and he begins to talk about how at one time we were alienated. We had been separated from the promise of God that was given to David, who was, who was the, the king of Israel, that was given to David. We had been separated. The Gentiles had been separated from that and now in verse 13 he says but now in Christ you who were once afar off does anybody remember when you were afar off I'll see how it's going to be this morning we would come in here on Christmas and act like we're perfect and we ain't never had any problems and we were never on our way to hell I said how many of you remember when you were once afar off you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Where's Matt Hines? I think there he is. Hey, Matt's going to help me this morning. You who were once afar off. Matt's going to help me show you what your sin, what being afar off sounds like. For those of you that don't know, he's not playing anything. He's just put his hands on the keyboard. And some of you are like, would you please shut that thing off? Would you please? It's annoying. I know I'm getting on some of your nerves. I'm going to let him keep going. This is what your sin sounded like. This is what being afar off sounded like. But there was a moment in time when Jesus got up on the cross and shed his blood and he began to make peace. There was now harmony. There was now unity. It was no more separation. There was no more chaos. There was no more confusion. Now he has made peace between me and the Father. You who were once afar off, you can stay right there, who were once afar off have been brought near. I'm getting ready to close. You can keep that going. Been brought near by the blood. So not only is God with us by his name, God is with us in our fears has anybody ever been afraid Just don't be don't be religious throw your hand up anybody ever been afraid you've been afraid human nature is innately wired because of sin that our first response to a lot of issues that surprise us is fear the choice is not whether you're going to be afraid when it first happens the choice is am I going to stay afraid am I going to stay in fear God is with us in our fears Isaiah 41 10 fear not I'm with you 
Don't be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Zephaniah 3.17 said, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. He will exalt over you with gladness. God is... Emmanuel in our fears he is God with us our hope 1 Timothy 1 and 1 said the Lord Jesus Christ our hope Romans 15 13 Paul writes and he says may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Lastly, with us, our peace. Jesus came, born of a virgin. Oh yeah, I still believe he was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life, sin not. I've over the past I'm telling you the, the, the seducing spirits are all over the land today many of them come in the form of social media influencers not saying all of them I really don't know them personally but I can judge them by the words they're saying about the scriptures I saw a post a couple weeks ago that said Jesus was a racist Jesus was homophobic. Jesus carried with him a love that can't be matched. How can you how can you call love racist? Oh, but they get on TikTok. And they get on Instagram. And they sit there dressed like preachers fancy stuff and they spew the lies of the devil to millions of people mostly young people who don't know any better Jesus was and is perfect there was no sin found in him had there been sin found in him he, not, he would not have been able to die a spotless lamb was needed lived a sinless life the last three and a half years of his life miracles so many miracles in three and a half years that the Bible said the books of the world could not contain what he did healing the lame the blind the mute raising the dead turning water into wine walking on water calming storms casting demons out of people He was perfect. And he was led into the hands of men who wanted to kill him. Not, not the government, but the church, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. 
Pilate, the government, washed his hands. He said, I find no fault in this man. The people cried out for a criminal over him. He, God with us, our peace. He was led from hearing to hearing, trial to trial. They found him guilty of a crime he didn't commit. They put a crown of thorns in his head, shoved the crowns down into his head, and blood ran from his scalp down his face to his beard. They led him to a Roman whipping post where they whipped him 39 times. His back was so ripped open, his, his vision, who he was, his person was so marred that even the people that followed him the closest could not recognize him. He hung on a cross on Golgotha's hill. And there he died. God, God sent Jesus, Emmanuel, because he wanted to be with people. And what did the devil do? Tried to kill him. Because the devil does not want you and God to be together. But there's one thing that the, the devil can't do. The devil can't kill Jesus. He could have tore the ark up, made the people dance around a golden calf that they just created. Tried to kill Jesus. He thought it was done, over with, no more. God's got no more plays up his sleeve. They took him off that cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea put him in a borrowed tomb. They sealed it shut. The Roman guards stood, stood duty. Three days later, God said, you're not going to stop me from being with my people. And Jesus raised from the dead. And it was in that process where Jesus hung on the cross, his blood spilled, blood and water came from him, that he made peace. See, if you're not saved in this room, you and God are enemies right now. Hear me, this is what the Bible said. You are at enmity with God. You are at odds with him. But he sent his son in a manger to die on a cross, a death that I deserved and that you deserved. That we who were afar off could be brought near. And we could only be brought near by the blood. He's our peace. He's not just the peace between me and God, but he's the peace in my storms. He's the peace in my trials. He's peace in my struggles. He's peace, hey, catch this. He's peace in my disappointments. He's peace in my discouragement. John 14, 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Peace. And this morning, no matter where you go, 
no matter where you are, I want you to put one hand on your heart and say this. God is with me. He sent his son, the savior of the world, as a sign of his love for you. I want you very reverently, we're, we're going to take a moment here, the most important moment that we've had in this service. So I'm asking you to stay with me just for the next five minutes. I want you very reverently to stand on your feet all across this room. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room this morning, and you're hearing this message and you recognize you're afar off, you've got sin in your life. I know a man who came as a baby in a manger, who grew into a man and died for me and you so that we could be saved. In this Christmas season when we celebrate him coming as a baby, today I tell you he's a king. He's not a baby anymore. He loves you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You've been listening to this message. You say, Pastor, I hear your words and I feel the stirring. Some of you feel, you may feel. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. And thanks to those of you who give so generously to make things like this possible. You can click the link in the description or go to pottershouse.org for more details and to see the exciting things happening here at the church and how you can get involved. We encourage you to share this week's message with your friends and family. We look forward to seeing you next week.